everybody. Oh, do you hear that? That's those are bubbles of form, and I've got a cauldron here full of beautiful potions here for you to see. I've got oh, it looks like 99 individual glass flasks to give each and every one of our listeners. That's right. I'm saying there's only 99 people who listen to this show. 99 potions, the JRPG, not just JRPG, I guess, <laughs> RPG podcast for fanbite.com. I am hosting this week, which is why it's an unmitigated disaster, and I am. No. Steven Strum, managing editor of fanbyte.com. Thank you, John. Uh, that is the voice of John Warren, uh, editor-in-large of fanbyte.com. <laughs> First of all, it is editor-in-large. I love editor it. Editor-in-large. <laughs> um, <laughs> Enlarged hard. editor, that's... John Warren. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gets that's bigger every time my, I see uh, I'm going to start a restaurant called Editor in Large. Uh, <laughs> it's just like for really big portions of food and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was going to say you're absolutely wrong. I was listening to your introduction. I was like, all right. I'm pretty sure Steven's just always do our introductions. I, I, I do this a lot. <laughs> I know you do. You do. Your last. Steven is so creative. Your fan with like, intro mm-hmm. from I guess it was last week was uh, superb. So. Serotonin providing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, also, someone who always provides me with serotonin every time I hear her speak is Natalie Flores. Um, I guess, what is your official title now, Natalie? Featured contributor. Featured contributor. That's the one. Uh, thank you for joining us again. You've only said it seven times on this very <laughs> podcast for me to hear because this is episode eight of 99 Potions, the Fanbite RPG podcast. But I had forgotten basically everything I even had for breakfast this morning. So uh, I could be forgiven. I'll forgive myself. And that is me the road forgiven. to everyone else forgiving me. I'm okay with my alternate title being Steven Serotonin Provider. So it mm. all works out. I appreciate like it. that. Yeah. yeah. Y'all ever see Torchwood Children of Earth? No. no. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> this is the second time that this happens today. <laughs> but like, have y'all seen this movie? And I was just like, no. <laughs> what? Uh, none of you have seen Virtuosity starring Denzel Washington? I can't oh, believe it. Oh, uh, by, by the way, I was like adjusting my mic when we were talking about Virtuosity earlier. I have absolutely seen Virtuosity. Um, the, the MMA movie where... Uh, yeah, a serial killer gets, I guess, uploaded into Russell Crowe or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. that sounds right. There's like a, it has like a name too. It's like got one of those, um, backronyms where it's just like the name of the cyborg serial killer is like K-I-L-3-R or something like that. (laughs) It's like, boy, the cops didn't think this one through, huh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah. Thank you both for joining me this week. We're also joined by our wonderful producer, Jordan Mallory, uh, on the ones and twos this week, as we discuss a couple of... (sighs) See, I struggle Ah. with this, too. I struggle with this, too, because I was thinking about it all morning. And the and the term we use for it is so derogatory. (laughs) But, but, like, I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. Uh, well, what we've been calling them, and if we think of a better name while we do this one, we can always uh, go back and use it. But we've been calling them basically your knockoffs, your knockoff RPGs, yep. uh, your K RPGs, if you will, just to create another one of those <laughs> uh, fun little initialisms for everybody. 
Um, basically, we're here to talk about the games that uh, definitely aren't the ultra classics that you remember, but instead the games that aspire to, if not be like those games, at least to try to evoke some of the spirit of them. Uh, and that can uh, be a variety of different things from a variety of different regions, I think. Uh, there's one in particular I definitely played before all this started, but I'm kind of curious to hear from you guys real quick first about like kind of how do you have like a special place in your heart for these kind of knockoff RPGs? Uh, I do because one, there's a shamelessness with most of them that I kind of admire. Um, mm. and, and also like some of them, I mean, knockoff again is, is like, uh, there, there's a negative connotation there. Right. Um, and I guess maybe the flip side of knockoff would be homage, maybe. Mm, sure. Um, but but it's like that's also not quite right. Where it's like um, <laughs> a really a really good uh, an actually good one that we could talk about that came out recently was uh, Bug Fables, which we've talked about before, I believe. Oh. But like that's a knockoff of Paper Mario. Yeah. That's uh, that's okay. Now <laughs> okay. Now, Jordan has said, John, that's pronounced homage, uh, but I think he wants me to say homage, but uh, I don't homage? know. Uh, you, but, you uh, a hard H in there? <laughs> yeah, hard H like the Brits do. Uh, her <laughs> herbs and spices. Um, but uh, yeah, like Bug Fables is basically just like uh, trying to evoke the Thousand Year Door in original Paper Mario uh, RPGs before uh, Nintendo decided to just like, you know, fuck around and not really ever give us one of those again. Even though I, <laughs> I like Origami King, it's it's not those games. Um, and Bug Fables kind of scratches that itch and it's like, it's, it's a fairly shameless, even down to its graphical kind of um, sensibilities. Like it is basically a shameless Paper Mario knockoff, but it's got its own it's got its own personality, and I think that's like maybe the difference between uh, a knockoff and an homage. If it can kind of carve out its own identity, um, so I think that would be one big difference. But yeah, I, I there's a soft spot like Legend of Dragoon to me. Um, oh sure, is like one of those games that I think gets fondly remembered. But if we're honest, if we're honest, that was such a fucking obvious. Final Fantasy knockoff that came out right. from from like Sony based studios or whatever. So I, I have I have a soft spot for them because like they always try to like suggest a a bigger series. Um, and the ones that kind of carve out their own identity, I really admire. But but yeah, there are That's ones cool. that definitely don't that I think are really funny. And the one that I think you're going to talk about is one of those. <laughs> Uh, well, before we get to that, Natalie, uh, do you have any kind of thoughts about this topic? I don't. This is my first time, like, really discussing it at length with people. And the thing about knockoffs is that, like, it, it really is such a, like, a, a negative term. <laughs> like, it, like, it has a negative connotation, but the range and quality that these games can take is, like, across the spectrum. Like, yeah. right. Some, like sometimes it's a studio sort of making their first game, finding their own footing, finding out their identity and the games that they want to create. And from that, like, you know, like with any other art, I think a lot of artists can relate to sort of looking to those sources of inspiration, kind of mimicking them in a lot of ways as 
you know, you find your own footing and your own identity as a studio or as an individual. Um, but uh, the quality can range so much. So I, I think it's like it's an entire genre in and of itself. The K RPGs, as we will. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's, uh, so that's Stephen it. came up with that on me. Uh, so um, yeah, this yeah. scene rests on my head. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and uh, I know that we're specifically what brought this up was Edge of Eternity, which you've been playing, Stephen. But I have yeah. been watching since last night, and so I hadn't really thought about knockoffs before and the different sort of like titles that qualify as that regardless of quality and whatnot so um i'm excited to talk about them because it's not a subject that i've actually talked about people with but yeah. like there are so clearly so many games that are quote-unquote knockoffs of bigger games and that's okay yeah um, totally like it, it. The, I think the reason we keep coming to back to the fact that it sounds so derogatory is because we don't want to be derogatory. I would say that um, there are some incredibly good games that are basically just trying to be um, spiritual successors to or like someone else's interpretation of games uh, from different series. Lost Odyssey right. um, is kind of maybe a more recent example than Legend of Dragoon, which is a very similar kind of thing. I know a lot of people like the the running gag for a long time was that Lost Odyssey is the true Final Fantasy thirteen, right? Yeah. Um, we yeah, might and it and, it, and by the way, good game. Like I, yeah, I totally. really really like that game, but it's like it did take personnel from from those Square teams and you know lump them. I remember that that was such a big deal. It was Mistwalker, right? And yes, they, they that was really, like one of their big debuts. Yeah. They positioned that studio as. Oh, they're going to make Final Fantasy games, but for Xbox, because at the time, Final Fantasy games were not making the leap from Sony uh, consoles to to other consoles like that. That that change happened actually like really soon after that. But like, yeah, at the time, totally. that was still kind of like how they positioned that studio. And and they were like, oh, we're going to make essentially Final Fantasy games for Xbox. And that's kind of how Lost Odyssey was positioned and it was good. Like, you know, as far as you know, those JRPGs go, like if I want to scratch that itch, um, Lost Odyssey is a good one to, to do it. So totally. Um, but yeah. Um, and I think other places have been way less successful. I, I feel like there are no real great contenders to like the persona throne, for instance, like none no. that like really scratch mm -hmm. that same itch. Right. Um, so it's weird. It's, it's kind of interesting in like contrast because it kind of shows to you, what things are easy enough to replicate or what tools you need to replicate something sometimes. Um, Cause I think like a lot of people have contended for the um, final fantasy throne over the decades and to various degrees of success and stuff. Like you go back to the right. super Nintendo even. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the game I've been playing is kind of, I think the, the impetus for us talking about this, it's uh, edge mm -hmm. of eternity. Like uh, Natalie said, and it's it's basically like someone decided to take a little bit of every JRPG they had ever heard of and then mix it down into a fine slurry. I am obsessed with this game. Like, in the, like I knew nothing about it before you brought it up a couple of days ago. And I'm now like I'm now like trying to consume as much information about this weird ass video game as I can. 
And I, I don't want to be harsh to this one either because it is no. made by nine people. No, like listen, listen again, the, like burn bright. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I, I like in no way am I saying that these games are uh, like inappropriate entries into the video game canon. I don't no, mean yeah. that at all. Like knockoff is like Natalie said, such a derogatory and like easy thing to say. Um, but it's a shorthand for this kind of uh, evocation. But it's like, yeah, yeah I, I don't want to say anything bad about it. It's just such a wild thing to see, I guess. Anyway. Yeah. If anything, I actually really, really respect the uh, what the studio is doing here, because it's actually just super interesting to me to see an indie studio try to do something that isn't a pixel art roguelike deck builder right. or something yeah. which feels like 98% of uh indie games on Steam these days. Yep. And that's how I ended up finding Edge of Eternity. Um you know, you might know one Merit K over on uh the flagship fanbyte podcast fanwith who um has a tendency to just go onto Steam and just like see what the algorithm oh will serve God. her. She's so it. good at that. I wish I was She's I so wish I was good. like that. Yeah. Uh, so I tried to b- bite a little bit of her flavor and do the same thing. And I just kind of looked at like, OK, what is Steam recommending me right now? And I was just fucking taken aback by this how to train your dragon mixed with Final <laughs> Fantasy 15 looking ass kid um, named Darian, who is the protagonist of Edge of Eternity, um, because he does look like a fucking how to train your dragon source filmmaker porn fucking yeah. video is, is what this dude looks like. Yeah. Um, but with Noctis' like Noctis hair. Noctis a lot. Yeah, Noctis, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey. looks like Noctis. Yeah. He yeah. looks a lot like Noctis. The, the fa- a lot in the face, but then the bodies have this, like, very... They're not... They're not super deformed. They're not cartoonish. They're just like their bodies te- seem too thin and too small for for the art style that the rest Everyone of the game is Everyone is skeletal in this game. Yes. Everyone's every, a twink. Everyone's a twink. It's the new universe. It's the new law. Um, <laughs> twink eugenics in Edge of Eternity. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, which I, hey, I say that, but uh, also this game opens up uh, with kind of a you know description of what's going on. And the basic premise is that it is set on a fantasy world in your kind of classical Final Fantasy style thing with a bunch of people. Um kind of using swords and sorcery and stuff like that, who right. uh, apparently sometime in the past were visited by aliens from space. And those aliens, um, like, ascended them. Like, they gave them a bunch of super technology. There's a term for it in Mass Effect that I, w- I always loved, but I suddenly can't remember the name of it. Uh, when you, like, uplift, I think is what it's called, where you give, a you know, like, a less advanced race a bunch of technology. Yeah, um, it's basically the decision that the the other races made when they when after the first contact or whatever. Right, right exactly. Yeah. So they did that to the the humans of this world at one point, but then at some point, um, according to the narration at the beginning, they just decided humanity wasn't worthy of their gifts anymore, so it turned against <laughs> the big them. Mood. Yeah, it's the mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really just a commentary on 2020 when you think you about it. You can't blame them. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they started fighting them, uh, in, and there, now there's this, like, big kind of magical war between the sorceress, human race, and, like, mechs. <laughs> like, the aliens have spaceships, and just dr- in the tutorial fight for this game, just drop a fucking mech on your guys, yeah. and you're fighting them with a sword. Um, and all of your friends get killed as fuck. Uh, yeah. they, they have this long introductory sequence of introducing, uh, your main character, Darian, to a bunch of different characters who then just get picked off one by one, uh, over the course of this thing. You are introduced to some weird shenanigans going on with an evil church. Stop me if you've heard this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And now you have to go reconnect with your sister uh, to try and find a cure for a weird alien disease that turns people into monsters. Um, which has a- turned their mother into... Uh, which has corrupted their mother, right? Yes. So, like, their, their they mother is are, sick, yeah. Yeah, so, she, so they're on a mission to find a cure for her right. as well. So it has a little more of a personal stake in it. It's not just, like, you know, altruism and, like, yay, humanity deserves better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not just, I saw 14 of my friends get shot to death with a big fuck-off spear, um, <laughs> which does happen to, like, your, your mage casting like you have this kind of like goth uh friend girl who um is like your your kind of lulu your black mage character in the tutorial and then she just gets shot by a big fucking spear from this mech yeah. and killed immediately. yeah like right after that first battle from the video that i saw i saw a, a first sort of hour and it, it starts off very intensely yes totally <laughs> she just got um, speared and they're like no <laughs> I think what I think her name is uh, Zar Zandra. Zandra. Her name yeah. is Fedona Tep, and her I have, <laughs> I have to admit, to this is where I got that name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Fedona Tep was herself a knockoff RPG. She was a K- RPG <laughs> character, you might say. Fedona Tep, the ultimate knockoff RPG character. Uh, <laughs> But then, so from that moment forward in this game, it's just like suddenly you are bombarded with uh, lots and lots of UI, lots of tutorial, lots of tooltips. I love that this game um, fucking has two tutorials and tooltips for everything down to like, if a character goes down to zero hit points, they die. Your objective (laughs) is to make the other characters go down to zero hit points instead. That's that's my favorite part of a lot of these is I feel like, (laughs) I feel like they think the audience for these are people who have never played an RPG before and not the opposite, which is like people who've played people who have fucking RPG poisoning and right. want to actually just like, yes, give me every single one. Give me even the bad ones. <laughs> and it's like, we know how these work. It's fine. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just really funny. Uh, but then on top of that, because I mean, it makes sense that they would tooltip some things because there is so much going on here. It's it's yeah. turn based. Active time battle in the style of uh, Chrono Trigger and early Final Fantasy games, uh, but then also hex-based tactics game yep. at the same time. Yeah, yep. it makes me think of Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is like one yes. of the few examples that I've played, but it's also unique in its whole, like, is it a hexagon? It's hex-based, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like so civilization like, is, yeah. Yeah, so like, oh, okay, I've never played a civilization game, so it takes inspiration from that too and that it um like there are spaces where the characters will attack and like you have to not be in that space but it's also like a mix of final fantasy 12's atv like system like even from the the way that it is visually like it'll like there's sort of like a rod yeah uh, like cast in the air when you target a specific enemy and i think it's like really cool that it takes inspiration from so many different things it just kind of like was like trying to fit them all together into this like tight space just like just get in there and yeah yeah because like on top of that like the one of the reason uh one of the reasons that 
you have those aggro bars that show you who is targeting who is because it uses the Final Fantasy tactics style magic system where once you start using a magic, uh, like a spell, it will start counting down over time and then you can move out of the way of that attack before that thing happens if you have right. enough time, which mm-hmm. is a very Final Fantasy tactics specific thing. Um, but then on top of that, actually, um, another game that we're probably going to be um, talking about here in the near future, Chrono Cross. Uh, it does the Chrono Cross thing as well of like, hey, if you want to use a potion in this fight, you better make sure this character is equipped with five potions or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then also the big open world spaces look very much like Xenoblade Chronicles. And a lot of the, besides the obvious Noctis reference, a lot of the character design has a very last remnant kind of look to it. Kind of that era of uh, JRPGs on the Xbox, th- mid-era 360 PS3 kind of JRPGs. Yeah. Um, kind of at the low point, I would say, for most it, people of JRPGs. And you can't fucking sleep on the fact that all of the uh, character dialogue and location UI is mm-hmm. literally just the Final Fantasy 15 font. Yeah. Yep. Like, it's yes. it's identical to what you would see uh and in, oh in and the battle game. theme john is just like it the opening bars of the battle theme are just the final fantasy 7 yeah. yeah for like for like four seconds at the start of every battle and then it switches over to a new thing i will say the music's pretty good music yeah. is mean, pretty good i was gonna say yeah yeah uh probably the highest like level certainly the the best sound design in the game is the music because i actually think that sound design is one of the weakest parts of the game yeah, yeah. overall um the voice acting is all over the place um yes. they're going for stuff for sure yeah. um they're going for like this kind of like really uh organic banter between characters sometimes but then also trying to mix that with um you know high-minded fantasy stuff so there's there's this like cast off line very early that you probably heard natalie where this mm. character is like no you guys didn't get any mail nobody loves you like a very <laughs> yeah. like a delivery that like a modern triple a game would right. just not have right yeah so um, then going back to how this is a made by a team of nine people and i feel like this is uh this is super ambitious like this would not be my idea of like a first project oh my god no there yeah this is really john you can you can speak from experience on that one i'm sure oh yeah like no i mean there's just a ton of systems work there's a ton of graphics work i mean for nine people to have made this you know, they've probably used a lot of like built-in texture technology and stuff like that. Sure. But like, no, I mean, come on, like this is this is a huge project to undertake for a small team. So, um, like, even oh. if things are not like completely successful, and I can just tell based on this like our playthrough of the beginning, like, there's a lot that's. I mean, I, I don't want to be too. I don't want to be too generous. There's a lot that's not successful about this game. Mm-hmm. I right. can tell. Yeah. But it's like, um you know uh, for this to be a big first project that's uh, unbelievable yeah yeah um i think one thing that we haven't mentioned yet like one important piece of context that um kind of reframes a lot of this in retrospect is that this is still in early access this is a beta release of this game um they're not calling it a full release yet in fact the reason that i noticed it is because it was um served up to me on my steam list but also um the like indication on it said like, Hey, this is the last time, like this is the last sale we're doing before we do like a price hike because we're entering into like the true open beta, uh, form of the, of like the game's launch at this point. So it'll be like open Mm -hmm. to people just purchasing it on steam. Uh, so after this sale, the game's price will hike up a little bit right now. It was 20 bucks and then on sale for like 15 or something like that. Um, and I think it's going up to like 30 or something. Oh, 
but um so that i mean like i think the the price and the framing of it as a uh early access game kind of maybe like will tell you that like you know hey set your expectations accordingly yeah on uh, even the like the top video on their thing right now is like hey when we went into like the the public beta release here's like a video showing like what the animations for these characters in these cutscenes look like before versus what they look like now and it, there is a market improvement like it's noticeable they're stiff now but before they were like basically scarecrows Right. Yeah, one of the first, actually, um, I had to look up. So the video that I watched is one that was uploaded on March 23. But originally, I was looking at a video that was published by a Let's Player as they like went through the beta for a bit. And that was uploaded in 2018. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, and so the difference is, yeah, they're still stiff, like you said, but the different like i knew that i had to look up a much more recent video because <laughs> right. so much has changed since 2018 visually uh i think mechanically as well um so <laughs> it was like it was a funny thing to see that they were so they're so stiff back then and they're still stiff now but there's there's a lot of improvement um, totally that's just like the case with games that are in beta and I think to make something this big as your first, I mean, going back to that for a second, like early access is such a, um, I, I feel like the polarity on how everyone feels about early access has changed so much over the past, I don't know, five years where I feel like, you know, five years ago, this kind of idea of investing in a game that's not finished was uh, a red flag for a lot of people right? rather totally. than rather than a kind of a collaborative effort of supporting something akin to maybe a Kickstarter. Um, but it's almost more like uh, it's almost more uh, collaborative and maybe mutually beneficial to do these early access games instead of Kickstarters yeah. now, because you kind of get to see that process as it goes. The funding goes directly to the actual game instead of like Amazon. frankly into the fucking ether, which sometimes Kickstarters do. Um, and yeah, it's like, I think funding a single player RPG like this in early access is like, a, a, that's a cool new thing that we can look to. So yeah, I don't know. It's cool. 100%. Um, personally, like, I mean, the polish stuff is things I think that will get people interested in. And I right. think that is what kind of um, prompted maybe a little bit of a new wave of people getting into it now, like me. Um, but the one thing I'm actually more interested in he seeing them do, uh, I'm actually somebody who plays a lot of free RPGs, like a lot of um, kind of um, RPG maker RPGs that are just out there on the internet um, yeah. that are kind of like often there are a lot of games out there that are basically just like shells to tell various stories or to do other various things. And it's just like, ah, one thing that we can very easily do is make a uh, JRPG maker um, with this and, or wrapping around this. And one of the main things that you notice when you play enough of those things is um, combat just like being not particularly tuned to be interesting. And I think that this game definitely suffers from a little bit of that. Like, Kind of what I mean is you have, especially early on, I think the introduction of new spells and abilities to you is a little too slow. And the amount of physical hits it takes to take down enemies as you move forward to where you will finally start unlocking more uh, verbs at your disposal takes too long. 
Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm at a point now where I've just unlocked. So this game has a sphere grid because it's also pulling from Final Fantasy X. <laughs> um, and I'm at a point now where I've just started to unlock abilities for the main character, Darian, whereas previously all he could do was move and attack in combat um, for like the entire mm-hmm. first dungeon and the tutorial before that. Oh. And so that what that ended up making was just like, I just wanted to sprint past combat because I just don't want to get into these fights because it's just going to be me clicking A over, 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 and over again. Um, while maybe I have his sister cast a fireball. And yeah, now I'm getting to the point. Yeah, and something that I noticed that I wasn't really a fan of was that when you're controlling his sister um, or any spellcaster... It takes time for them to cast their spells, and right. during the time that it takes for them to cast those spells, they are able, they are vulnerable to attacks, and if they get attacked, that spell is interrupted. Right. And so I was thinking about, like, I can't think of another RPG where this happens, like, off the top of my head. I don't know if, if y'all can, you know, attest to a similar mechanic in another RPG, but it's it's one of the more uncommon or, like, less uh, sort of how to phrase it like it's it's not i can't think of something that it takes direct inspiration from as clearly as the other things so i would consider it more part of this game's sort of uh, central unique identity and i i don't like it (laughs) as someone who really likes casting magic and who focuses on my casters a lot of the time because most of the time they will be the big damage dealers while your physical person just sort of like hacks and slashes and takes a lot of damage. I I don't like the idea of like spending uh, several turns or maybe one turn even trying to cast a spell just for it to get interrupted. I, I can imagine that's frustrating. I don't know if it's been frustrating for you. Not so far. I will say I'm, I find it kind of interesting that you don't like it because that is such a component of Final Fantasy XIV if you're playing as a casting class. I don't know if you play as a caster in FF14. Yeah, I played as a black mage, and there's a reason why I don't play black mage anymore. Though it's less... we <laughs> like, interrupting I, me! Yeah, I started I as move. a black mage, and now, like... My second class that I went on to do was Bard. I would never, I was like, I'm never going back. Like, I can walk around this arena and attack and I won't get interrupted. But as a black mage, it's sort of, it it is rewarding in the sense that you do a lot of damage, but it's less being attacked and more moving that you get interrupted in Final Fantasy XIV. Slide casting, as they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, like, the idea... Like, if I... Like, if in XIV, as a black mage, if I had everything that I'm doing interrupted by every attack that I took, like, (laughs) I wouldn't do anything. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's actually one thing that... um, And they kind of imply this with the dialogue in the tutorial of this game, that this is going to be a factor, but it it just never really comes to... Well, fruition um it kind of makes me feel like there's a, there's a missing element here where oh if darian is my physical frontline attacker because he doesn't have any abilities besides physical attacking i would hope that if he physically attacks this enemy he would draw aggro right he right can tank the, the, yeah that basically that is drawing the attention so that the mage can have time to do their thing yeah right uh exactly. that doesn't happen and that doesn't happen, or at least if it does, it's invisible to the player. Well, then, then that feels like a then that feels like a half baked mechanic. Then I mean, a like, little yeah. bit. Like you know, you know, that's again the early access thing. It's like if they look at 
you know, what they are telling the player um, about magic, that it's it requires this focus and attention to unleash something very powerful. Like, I'm OK with that as like a as an idea of magic is the most powerful thing that we have. So, like, yes, it takes this kind of focus and uh, uh, dedication to do it. And when it happens, it's big. It's like I'm okay with that as long as you set up the rest of the mechanics to basically uh, feed into that. And if you don't, then then yeah, that sounds more like tedious than anything else. Right. Um, the one thing that you can do, and it's not something the game really tells you you can do, but I have noticed that it's possible um, because it's magic casting. Magic casting can be cast um, at a distance, whereas physical attacks can't. Uh, and since it's a hex based game, what you can do is kind of body block by putting your character in front of uh, another character who is standing behind them. And then that enemy will then have to move uh, to reposition themselves if they want to get physically ah. close. Be because getting hit by a spell will not. Uh, there, are, there are some spells that are like specially um, said like, hey, this is an interruption spell. This will interrupt a character but otherwise the only thing that you can do to interrupt anybody and you can interrupt enemy spells too so it goes both ways um the only way you can interrupt otherwise is with physical attacks so if you do kind of create this kind of body block um using your frontline physical attackers and then have people casting from the back that will work um and one thing i will say that this game does that's pretty cool but also weirdly enough for a game that has so many tutorials doesn't teach you about uh or doesn't mention i just happen to notice it is if you tell a character to move it only cast or costs half of their atb bar um oh, so okay. yeah so you can move twice per like for for the cost of like one attack you can move twice even though it doesn't say that on screen uh, which is not unique to this game. That's a thing that's in XCOM, but that is a game that very much tells you, hey, you can move twice, but that will count as sprinting, and it means you can't attack uh, at the end of your turn here. Uh, whereas this game just kind of like, I just had to happen to notice that, oh, if I if I move my character physically, I can, um, I will only drain, their, their bar will refill up to half automatically, um, mm -hmm. which then allows you to, uh, this game does have a concept of backstabs too. So, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you don't body block with with certain characters or if you don't want to, you can then move them into position to do that. And there's less cost for moving a bunch um, than there is for attacking. So that's a viable tactic a lot of the time, though it is a little I have found. Um, I wish that there was some kind of indicator on screen of like what side of the hex counted as the enemy's back and which one didn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a thing. Actually, uh, going back to Final Fantasy 14, uh, 14 has that. 14 will show you specifically this is the part that counts as the front this is the part that counts as the back mm -hmm. this is the two parts that count as the sides um yeah. so there is definitely room for improvement here but i think there is a hidden depth to the combat that perhaps i just haven't gotten since i only have two uh units right now maybe eventually they get more into the weeds on some of that stuff um but i just haven't gotten there yet how long or how expanded into the main story is this beta uh i think they've said that they are basically at three acts out of uh what they hope will be five eventually it's written down somewhere but i'm pretty sure it's like supposed to be three-fifths done basically cool wow. um, well that's you know that's less ambitious than like shinmu so hopefully they'll, yeah. be able to, <laughs> hopefully they'll be able to hit it 
They're not on part three of 18, you mean, John? Right, oh, sorry. Right. I forgot. Okay, it's uh, five chapters out of eight and an additional chapter zero. Speaking of knockoffs, just like really briefly, because I'd still want to talk more about Edge of Eternity, but I was thinking just now about um, uh, that kind of like chapter five thing and how Xeno Saga is in and of itself a knockoff <laughs> of Xeno Gears, but it's like made by its own people, which is really right. funny. Um yeah, I think about Xenosaga a lot because I think it was really specifically positioned to be basically the expanded idea of that entire Xeno Gears thing, but they totally ran into like massive IP trouble trying to even get that to fit. Um but that's a really good example of like almost like knocking yourself off like, you know, with yeah, uh-huh. with something, but it's like, you know, those games stand alone, they do, but it's just really funny in that same context. And wasn't wasn't Mistwalker a Sakaguchi project? Am I yeah. wrong about that? Yeah. Okay, it was. Yeah. So, so like um, the one of the like late fathers of the old school Final Fantasy stuff went yeah. on to go basically knock off Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's my favorite shit of just like, well, I can't do exactly what I was going doing at my last place, so I'll I'll basically do the same thing and just slap a, a fresh coat of paint on it. That's fine. Um, uh, and we've seen we've seen that go very badly too. I feel like oh going back God. to yeah Kickstarter. I was looking at like I was trying to remember some of the failed uh, versions of this happening. Um, yeah. There's things like Project Phoenix. If you remember that. Oh my! What was um, Project Phoenix? That's the big sort of ambitious JRPG. Um, Nobuo Iomatsu Uematsu was involved with it at one point oh, and. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, I don't know if it's supposed to still be in development or not, um, but I remember it was like a big thing where they were like, hey, there was like some scandal about somebody was, one of the like lead programmers or lead designers was accused of funneling money from the project into, um, God, what is that, heavy metal, full metal, something metal. Uh, tiny metal, tiny metal. That game that came out like two years oh, ago. Oh, okay. This is all vaguely ringing a bell now. Um, yeah, I think I, that well, sorry, was. Sorry, when, those... when you said accused of funneling money, I just immediately started thinking of uh, Star Citizens. I just. Oh my god! Right. Um, <laughs> is our Star Citizen an RPG? Is Star Citizen an RPG? That's a god. I, I, you know what? I know it's an ARG to make <laughs> to make uh, <laughs> all those people fucking rich and never to make a game. Oh um, my god. Anyway, we keep it. That's not for 99. That's a different conversation for sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff spawns out of or at least got a lot of if not spawns out of it got like our new um, injection of blood during um, the Kickstarter boom. Right. A lot of this stuff comes from that. Not just JRPGs, but you have like Torment Tides of Numenera is, uh, you know, was positioned very much as like, hey, we want to make a new Planescape Torment. Um, right. because Wizards of the Coast won't let us. Yeah. Um, um, Pillars cir- of Eternity was positioned very similarly. Cir- circling back to Edge of Eternity, do you want to tell us the name of the developer development studio? Uh-huh. Who made yeah, John. Uh, so uh, I'm here on uh, steampowered.com, and it does say that the name of the studio is Midgar Studio. <laughs> <laughs> Not Midgard, not like the not like the Norse mythology thing. No, no, no. Midgar. No. They might as well have called it Hi, we're Cloud Strife, the developer. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, yeah, it's just really, I don't know. I whatever. Listen, I I I think I would rather be shameless about it than not. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, that's true. Go for it. Um uh, apparently this is not their first game either. Oh, it's not? 
What was no. what did they what have they done before? They did a thing in 2017 called Hover. Okay. Uh, experience the thrills of a fast-paced single and multiplayer parkour game. So it not looks... an RPG. Uh, we won't yeah. argue that it's an RPG on this show. No, yeah. I mean, according to the user-defined tags for this product, it's a parkour multiplayer open-world action indie. So That is radically different from Edge of Eternity. Um, yeah. I think it's it's just Jet Set. It looks a lot like a Jet Set radio, yeah, it doesn't it? It looks like Jet Set. It looks like Jet Set. And what's that? What's that? Um, what's that PS Vita game that everyone likes that I've never played? The, Gravity uh, Rush. Yeah, Gravity Rush. It looks like Jet mm. Set and Gravity Rush. Okay. Had a had a child. Oh uh, yeah. But so you I know, don't know they've got a they've got a they've got a, a vibe going. I yeah. would say. They've they, got a, a mission statement. They've got a perhaps. mission statement. They, their mission <laughs> statement is, remember this shit? Let's put it in a blender. Um, I mean, that's so much pop culture at this point, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Turned into a pickle. It's a funny Ready shit Player Two. Oh, yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Is Pickle Rick going to be in Ready Player Two, do you think? Oh, of, of, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, that question did psychic damage to me. Uh, <laughs> Second of there all, there was audible sec- evidence of that. Second of all, the, you're uh, like I would, I would bet my fucking house on that being the case. So yeah, um, can we got a clip of that, Jordan? Yeah, yeah if, you, if Pickle Rick is not in uh, Ready Player Two, Natalie gets to your house. That's just the rule. <laughs> yeah. Marty, we got to go back to the future. There's a fucking pickle there, Marty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fuck. They're gonna come. They're gonna be finally be able to go full circle with it because he'll just get out of the DeLorean. Like Pickle yeah. Rick will just Pickle walk Rick out, of just get out of the DeLorean. Like, there will be Which a, will then oh turn into God, Optimus Prime. <laughs> there will just be some big dramatic moment where like they think someone cool is gonna come save the day, and it's a decoy. Pickle Rick gets out of the DeLorean. <laughs> now what's going on? Godzilla gets out of a different one and destroys the main villain. <laughs> Uh, Neil Ciciarega is there. He starts singing a song about it. Um, (laughs) He's like, this is the ultimate showdown of Ernest Klein. Uh, (laughs) Every episode that we do is just so cursed at one point. It's just so cursed. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, When has anything we've ever made been cursed, Natalie? Truly not. That's true. Is it cursed Um, if all of it's cursed? There you go. You know what, Natalie? Great point. That's a really Mm -hmm. great point. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah Nick, curses Nick, are Nikki, on a sliding scale. Nikki in a meeting this morning implied that if everyone has the virus, then it's fine, you know. Um, <laughs> and we also posited that if global warming affects everyone, it's fine, you know. It's just yeah. like it's just across the board. If everything is cursed, then is anything really cursed? If um, global warming is global, then it's just that's just the Earth. We have yeah, that's just warming. It it's just yeah. Yeah, that's just warming. One hundred percent. God. Anyway, everything. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry to sorry to derail us about sorry to Midgar Studio two. for putting this fucking damage on them. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that I I'm not super super deep into the game yet. Um, I think there are even more ambitious things for them to to display. I've beaten like the kind of main first dungeon, but it looks like at some point you unlock a very very Xenoblade Chronicles looking massive open world. You get like a giant cat mount. From some of these um, trailers. Can we talk about that mount for a second? Yeah. That's a carbuncle. Yeah. That's just a carbuncle. 
That is a carbuncle. Isn't it's it? just a fucking car. It's even got the gym in the forehead. Oh, does it? I didn't yes. even notice that. <gasps> yes. No. Like yeah, it's so close. I'm surprised they haven't gotten a letter. Honestly. Mm, yeah. It's pretty wild. Anyway, what, I mean, what were you gonna say, Natalie? Is there a picture? Like. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Because I I was looking at the 2018 video that I mentioned, and there was one complaint that well. I watched three videos. One of them was a review. This was sort of, I think, in 2019 or 2018. But, like, okay. a complaint was that the areas in Edge of Eternity are very vast and very barren. And you just have to run across them. And it's it takes some time before you access a mount, I believe. And so mm. I was, like, curious about whether the game has... My, oh, my God. It's kind of cute. <laughs> it, I kind of like it. It's like a little kitty, like a mega kitty. I mean, they yeah. are cute. Here, let me try to find it. Because I just saw Like, it. I need, like, a more carbuncle angle. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, waving Jordo, hello at I the agree camera? with you. It is a terrifying smile that this kitty cat has. It's almost um, I like sure in quality. I, I don't know how you feel about... You know how cats only have those, like, really black eyes when it's, like, the middle of the night and, like, they're in hunting mode almost? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. in hunting mode. This is daytime, and this cat has those dead, dark eyes. I don't yeah. like that part. This cat <laughs> wants to uh, hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. It does make me think, too, um, Natalie, going back to your thing about, like, um, not getting a mount for too long in the game. Uh, in this screenshot I've shared of this cat, there is a bar that says Team Energy. And this thing is the most buck wild design decision to me, the to a point where I almost wonder if they're going to change it at some point. Um, because the way team energy works in this is that they they really want you to engage with a Final Fantasy 15 style, like, hey, go eat a meal and that will give you buffs, uh, which is also a Monster Hunter thing, I guess. That doesn't originate with Final Fantasy 15. But before you go out on a mission, go eat a meal and, and you'll get a buff. Um, and anytime you do actions in combat, it takes away from your team energy. So if you're blocking, attacking, defending, using spells, whatever, it drains oh. this energy bar. If the energy bar goes low enough, you lose your um, food buff. But one of the things that they include in taking away your team energy is sprinting out in the open world, not just combat I mean, stuff. Fuck that. I would be. Yeah, that's like the that. breath of the wild stamina, but worse. Yeah. It's a little bit like that, yeah, for sure. I think this game is, I mean, whatever, we've said this game is pulling from everything. But I will say it's not quite like, hey, you just immediately start dipping into team energy. You have a sprint stamina bar, and then oh, okay. if, you, if you don't, if, if you keep sprinting when you run out of stamina on your sprint bar. It'll take from your team energy. It takes from your team energy. So you then have to like kind of bunny hop your sprinting otherwise, which is just kind of a for a game that seems like it's going to be very, very open ended eventually just seems like a hassle. Yeah, yeah like the areas nice. seem very expansive, maybe not filled with details, but the barrenness also sort of emphasizes the the open space and so right. like having a stamina dependent on your team energy like alongside that i feel like would just exacerbate the issue and like yep. pacing but <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong natalie <laughs> yeah i i do it not feels like weird. that um and i'm somebody who actually i do like games that um 
force you to kind of um, deal with obstacles that it puts in your way. I like Death Stranding. I like how in Death Stranding your stamina bar goes down over time, but that's a game where the game is getting from point A to point B. This is yeah, not that's, that game. That's that, you know, obstacles are the name of the game. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you guys had any other major games to kind of report about this week. Uh, um, someone here wrote Baldur's hour. Gate 3, and I'm curious as to why it's there. I mean, Baldur's Gate 3 is not a knockoff. I just included it on this list specifically talking about, like, the the trend of reaching back into the back catalog of old RPGs that yeah. people have kind of forgotten. Because it's been, mm-hmm. what, fucking 15, been long time. 20 years since yeah. Baldur's Gate 2? Yeah. And what's interesting about know. 3 is that, in, in, as someone who did not play 2, um, it seems like it is trying to pull much more from the traditions of modern RPGs, like maybe the Witcher and some of the Bioware games to kind of like create a bridge between those, those old uh, isometric RPGs and something that I think more modern fans are familiar with. Um, The, the companion stuff looks straight out of uh, Dragon Age. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is why Natalie is so excited. Mm, yes, and also the battle system and everything is just straight up divinity originally. Yeah, yeah, looks like it. yeah. Which mm, I guess we could call it a knockoff in that sense. No, I, mean, I, I, I don't. I, I don't think so. I I just I do think it's interesting to try to make the like it's just the the Larian Studios gameplay formula. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. it it is you know it it is in the mold of. Like, but there's still a lot of Baldur's Gate 2 in what I'm seeing. But, um, yeah, it's very much like a Larian and then Larian trying to, you know, again, kind of dip their toe into, um, you know, more of those up close RPGs. I mean, that's like such a dumb way. To, but it's also, like, I'm so stupid because I was like, oh, can I consider it a knockoff? But like Larian Studios made Divinity Original Sin. So it's yeah. like, uh, can you knock off yourself? I mean, you kind of yeah. can. I mean, that's that's what I was talking about with Xenoblade. It's like those people involved with that game were largely responsible for Xenogears. They just couldn't call it that or like call too much attention to it because you know square still own the ip but it's like i think you can <laughs> knock off, off yourself i do like in a way and um, they ask themselves what's a character that's definitely in the public domain jesus, jesus of Nazareth. christ right <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah which i was thinking about that today uh progressive uh progressive games you know saga to depict jesus jesus christ as a brown person one of the only mm. like major depictions Gosh. in modern media and i'm like i can't believe xeno saga has the, <laughs> as as a more progressive idea of jesus christ than almost anything else that's been produ- been uh, yeah been produced a- anyway anime titty robot and like brown <laughs> jesus like i can't just yeah, canonically man. fought with uh anime titty robot they fought <laughs> alongside each other <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, historians are like they they dig up it's like, yeah, well, Jesus definitely was was, you know, a Middle Eastern man. Um and uh turns out Mary Magdalene was a big titty robot. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it, but they were totally right about this. It's, it's not uh, Adam and Eve, it's Adam and anime titty robot. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's Adam right. and anime. 
Um, Jordan's bringing uh, up that that this is actually pretty common in fighting game communities where uh, Blaze Blue is uh, only exists because of the Guilty Gear IP stuff. So oh, um, is Blaze Blue not also that same studio though? It is it now? It is, yeah. Um, okay, but the Guilty Gear, yeah, it 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 always it always has been, but they had rights issues with Guilty Gear specifically. Video games are perhaps out of all major media the most susceptible, I feel like, to a lot of weird um, <sighs> copyright issue bullshit. I mean, that's why we don't have modern versions of Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core is because of like there's right. one song that is licensed and they would have to go back in and like remove and that from modern that versions. Remove it, right. Like the original Luminez, the original launch PSP Luminez game is not available in any form. I don't think with its entire uh, track list intact because of that, like a bunch of rock band stuff is in that same way. Um, music yeah. is ends up being like a really weird intersection. Um, Jordan says Luminous Remastered is close, which is true. Um, but then you know, that is the thing you see that in like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater now where it's like I, such of so much of what makes that game. That game is like, oh, it's the music. Being, like, oh. Yeah, yeah, like this better have Goldfinger uh, right. or Superman by Goldfinger. And um, that's all anybody wants to hear. <laughs> I was today years old when I found out that that was called that's pronounced luminous and not lumines, which I've been, <laughs> which I've been saying for fucking ever. I've been saying lumines. I think I've maybe I read said it that as out Lumine, loud so it's okay, four John. times and I've never actually discussed that game with anyone. But now that I was like. Ah, Luminous. I don't remember that game. And then Jordan wrote it in the chat. I was like, oh, Lou Mines. That <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Lou Mines. Uh, um, well, time to grab my pickaxe and go back into the Lou Mines for another, uh, <laughs> another day. That's where we get all of our Lou. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. Ludo narrative dissonance is a natural resource that does have to be dug up by hand. <laughs> stupid. Uh, stupid. That is true. Um, uh. That's God. very funny to me, John. I didn't know that you didn't know that that's how it was pronounced. Yeah, I really I didn't, didn't either. know that. Um, I, I was really? sat here like Lumines. Lumines. <laughs> yep. I, uh, but I also pronounce everything wrong, so I kind of like like it's fine when I do it, but mm, I'm surprised mm. John... Yeah. yeah I, you expect uh, better from John. Yeah, I expect you better from John than from myself. <laughs> we both have one brain cell, but Fucking his same. brain cell pronounces things more often than not correctly than mine does. So. I, am, I, am very, I am very pedantic about pronunciation, so it's very funny that I've just gone I've gone through life just being like, yeah, that's Lou Mines. It's definitely Lou Mines. Don't worry about it. Um, Uh, Hey, in fairness, the only reason I know how to pronounce uh, Luminez probably is because I uh, was one of those um, very, very cool people who bought a PlayStation Vita on day one and got a because one of the. Thanks, thanks, John. Uh, It's a perfect console. Vita means life. And (laughs) one of the only launch games was Luminez Electronic Symphony. And every time you boot that game up, it goes Luminez Electronic Symphony. Ah, (laughs) so they kind of do the work for you. Like they kind of. They say it. No thinking was involved. Don't don't worry. Don't fret. (laughs) Um, gosh, yeah, I I I love. I love weird little RPGs that draw from stuff. I don't I don't know if I love playing them, but I love that they exist, if that makes yeah. sense. Um 
I, uh, like I said, I, I'm I'm really glad that Edge Eternity exists just because it's so nice to see people reaching beyond this very narrow spectrum of like what an indie project can look like. I, yeah. I think I think the project that most reminds me of Edge of Eternity, for better or worse, and forgive me, but I I th- this is the the bridge I I, I build. Uh, Mars Warlogs and the Technomancer. <laughs> uh, they they're both such a like witcher 2 mass effect ass like action rpg thing with a bunch of like branching combat stuff and and stuff that they try to set up but they're they just do nothing well essentially right um, well, they're they're the same universe too right technomancer is a sequel to technomancer mars is a sequel to mars warlogs yes um Mars Warlogs may be one of the worst titles of a game that I've ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, because like you can't say like to say it in a way that doesn't just sound like Mars Warlogs. Like it's just <laughs> Mars like Warlogs. Mars <laughs> Warlogs. Like there's war- too much R in there. Like Warlog, mm-hmm. Warlog is nothing. What is it's that? Nothing. It's fucking nothing. Anyway, it's not, uh, but yeah, I agree that just wanting to add on to the point of appreciating these types of games, I think they most clearly illustrate what developers take from games going forward, especially like triple A games. Just kind of because like triple A games are so often like taking inspiration from each other very shamelessly. Um, oh, for right. sure. Like Valorant is so overwatch yeah (laughs) like from the way that counter-strike yeah exactly and valorant is so counter-strike it's like some of the gun names are exactly the same even (laughs) right the the (laughs) operator that everyone just calls the op which is just the exact same thing as the op from counter-strike yeah and so in a similar way like this is similarly shameless but i think it's it's interesting to see what smaller developers see in AAA games that they want to emulate. Like, I did not expect the Final Fantasy XV font to be <laughs> some, something that, like, someone would want to emulate. But it is, it, right. it's clean and it, it fits with the UI. The UI here is also very similar to Final Fantasy XV's. And it, it's so interesting to see just what people take inspiration from and the things that have been a staple in rpgs and maybe a hint of what's to become a staple later on which i doubt will be final fantasy 15's font but (laughs) (laughs) but it's just uh i think it's fun for me to see what sort of these developers are deciding to take from these games and in turn what they take from these games decides what will become staples in the future and i think that's interesting to watch unfold uh yeah totally yeah. Absolutely <sighs> agreed. Um, well, we I think that's it. a good conversation. Yeah. We did it. We had this conversation. What else? Is there anything you want to mention about Edge of Eternity that you <sighs> did not get the room to naturally segue into? Um, it was kind of interesting playing Edge of Eternity and then booting up um, Chrono Cross right afterwards and then immediately seeing a bunch of like, because I immediately recognized 30 different games in there and then also booted up Chrono Cross and saw, oh, this feels like a thing from Chrono Cross. And it makes me wonder what else is in this game that I'm just not noticing because I'm just not RPG literate enough yet, um, which is kind of interesting. 
uh, Chrono Cross, interesting ass game that I'm excited to talk about in the near future too. Yeah, we got um, we got to get Natalie a copy of that game somehow. So uh, yeah. all right, so there's this console called the PlayStation Vita. Um, you can download <laughs> PlayStation One classics to it. <laughs> I never it's got a Vita. Console. I'm so sorry, Steven. Well, that's fine. Uh, you can get I'm a real heretic. dirt cheap now. Oh really, uh, Natalie? Yes. There's something that you can do on your computer. An emulator. That allows you to play games that you steal from the internet. Uh, uh, now, I've, I have personally purchased so many copies of Chrono Cross that I feel like my... my you are entitled. My, my magic ability is to provide one more free copy to someone. So <laughs> maybe we'll set that up for you. Um, you wouldn't st- you wouldn't download a car, would you? Remember those videos? That was, I do remember those, and I always just remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, fucking of course I would. What? Of course I would. If I could download a car, are you fucking kidding me? We were getting three. Print me a fucking Ford, goddamn F one fifty or whatever. Absolutely. Like, I don't even like that. Absolutely, yeah. I would. Um, Dumbass, idiot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely want to have, we should at least, we should plan to, uh, make Natalie play Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. (laughs) And and I always feel like it's like Sailor Moon for me. Like, I feel like an idiot for missing out on that part. No, no, you don't have to feel that way. (laughs) No, 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 no. Like, and I, and I think like if you weren't born, uh, before. I wasn't a tadpole. I don't know. Like, I don't 23 know. years old, John. Uh, yeah, just like, I, I, I think 23 yeah. year olds like don't have to have that in their repertoire. Like, I I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I didn't play Chrono Trigger until I was like 28. So I oh. I didn't play Chrono Trigger until like last year. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't beat it until last year, I suppose. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think it's fun to go back and look at those things. So we should definitely I, I'm glad you're playing Chrono Cross. I, I definitely want to take time to play that and. I would yeah. love to know what Natalie thinks of those games. Um, I really want to play them at some point in my life. So yeah. yeah. We should now the question know. becomes, John, do we have to set up Natalie with the fan translation of Radical Dreamers first? I don't. I don't. Per- <laughs> I, I'm weird. I'm like I don't think so. I've played Radical Dreamers. I don't think you're missing anything. Mm. Which I'm. I'm sure a bunch of people just got really mad about. But I don't. I don't. I, I, I've only ever read the Wikipedia summary of yeah. Radical Dreamers. But so. you know, hey Steven. Yeah. You, you you did everything you needed to do. Hell yeah. That's what I would say. Um but uh yeah, we should definitely do those. I'm glad you're playing Chrono Cross, though. I Me the, too. the uh the bat some of the battle stuff in that game. Pretty weird. Um, it's weird. Yep. You have but, three different normal attacks. Yeah, you do. Yep, yep. It's pretty bizarre. But uh I'm excited to to dive back into that. We can discuss that at some point soon. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, we want to wrap this one up. Yeah, we should probably wrap yeah. it up. Cool. We well, thank you both for joining me on yet another Odyssey into the woolly world of RPGs. This was a fun one. Kind of a nice come down after the extreme emotion of the Final Fantasy yeah. 14. Yeah, it was podcast. admittedly, it was quite nice to do a more chill one this <laughs> yeah, week. And one that like fits into like a good sort of time schedule and doesn't go on for like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Absolutely. We like to mix it up here at fanbite.com. Uh-huh. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, if you want to listen to that episode, you can find that on this existing feed. And if you want to listen to any other Fanbyte podcast, you can go to fanbyte.com slash podcasts where we have links to all of our shows. I actually did some work on the back end uh, earlier this week. So now that it is easier than ever to subscribe to all of our good shows, uh, shows like Numbers Go Up, where we talk about live games, shows like Fan With, our flagship show, which we mentioned earlier, shows like West Coast, sorry, not just West Coast, West and East Coast Office Hours. The the feed is just called Office Hours, uh, where John and Jordan and Nikki and Ren did go for more than two hours this week. And that's an adventure um, that everybody should go and engage uh, with. I'll say this. I think one of our most well-received episodes. So I don't, oh, know, yeah. I don't know quite how to interpret that. I know I don't want to go two hours with academic discussion every week. But uh, yeah, we hey, should, we should figure out should some slap. sort of middle sure. ground. Oh. Uh, you can also go to, to uh, fanbyte.com just to read all of our good content, and you can go to twitch.tv slash fanbyte to watch our various streams. We're actually going to be having a couple of different shows uh, going up in the near future here. On Friday, we will be doing the final Destiny 2 raid stream, uh, at least for the time being. We're going to be finishing the last raid in Destiny that we haven't completed on stream, so make sure to give that a watch. And go to um, twitter.com and go to at Fanbyte Media to find uh, tweets where you can basically just keep in contact with all of the different stuff that we post. Uh, yeah. It's probably one of the most convenient ways to do it. Yep. Speaking of Twitter, where can people find you, Natalie? Uh, you can find me at Hardimicia. That's hard I-M-E-C-I-A on Twitter. I will be less active because I have started or will start in a few hours school, so... F in the chat, but maybe it's it's better for my mental health that I am not on the hell site for That's too long. That's fair. Yeah, yeah so, fair. I mean, pros and cons, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, where can people find you, John? You can find me wondering if any other knockoff RPGs have ever tried to knock off the junction system that I just thought about right now. Uh, mm. You can find me wondering aloud about that at uh, Floppy Adult on Twitter. Thank you, John. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Steven Strum, and you can find Jordo at uh, Jordan uh, underscore Mallory, I want to yes, say. That is yes, that's correct. Yeah. Perfect. Um, until next week, everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of 99 Potions. We will be back next Wednesday, as we are back every Wednesday uh, to tell you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Every time. Thank you.